The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hi there, I'm Rebecca Lowe. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast, where you can get the latest can't-miss content from NBC's coverage of one of the best leagues in the world. Be sure to tune in on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern for Premier League mornings on NBCSN and Peacock Premium. But for now, we hope you enjoy the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. Tight match uh, as the second half played on, guys. We're watching a couple things. Number one, of course, who would win the match? But number two, how does Leeds look under the new manager, Jesse Marsh? One game into the Jesse Marsh era, Mm. your impressions? Uh, Well, it's positive. Even though they've lost a game there, there was a lot of good things, a lot of improvements. The team kind of dominated play, 18 shots to five shots. We know it's all about taking those opportunities. They've got to get better at that. The one bit of slack play you just mentioned, Dallas was, was poor defensively. But other than that... It was, it was a lot better. And, you know, I think what we've seen, Tim, with... with I think we, we got what we expected from Jesse Marsh in terms of the way that Leeds were playing. I said it at half-time, keep the Leeds kind of strong attacking players and the transitional stuff that was good before, but add some defensive strength. And they were much better in that regard today. Mm-hmm. Got his team together on the pitch right after the loss, and that was the scene moments ago. Tim, you were positive about the hire on Tuesday. Yeah. How about now after you've seen him play? Well, yeah, and you, you, see, you see the huddle and you see the passion. It's going to be different than Marcelo Bielsa. These players fell in love with Bielsa and his style, and in the end it didn't work out. So they're going to have to get used to a different managerial style, a different voice, uh, different tactics, and this is all part of it. This is what Jesse Marsh brings, and you're hoping that the team buys into it. You see Jesse there, how passionate he is. To win the Leeds fans over, obviously that will happen also with results. Uh, but, in, but in general, I think that when you look at the game, they had double the, one double the amount of shots that, that uh, Leicester had. Defensively, I thought they were a little bit more solid. Uh, mostly, I know they conceded the goal, but they had been really uh, conceding a lot of goals in bunches. So there are positive signs, but at this particular time in the season, the only thing that matters is results. I think that's important, premeditated, a public display of togetherness from the manager there. I don't mind it. Mm-hmm. Some others might say, well, you know, what's all this? You know, it's very, very different to bring your players in. And I think we can surmise what he's saying there about mm-hmm. this was good. It's going to hurt, but that's the way I want us to play. Yeah. To go over and to, to bang his chest and to clap the fans. It's all kind of smart from the manager, you know, initially mm-hmm. to try and get that trust. And the, obviously the fans on side. A couple of words I could make out from reading lips, heart and effort. Yeah. Uh, talking about him based off what you guys mm-hmm. said, he probably liked what he saw there. However, Lester does beat Leeds 1-0. to nil. Jesse, there was so much good work out there, encouraging stuff. It must be really frustrating to come away with nothing. Well, listen, I have a fresh perspective, you know, and I, and I look at the faces on our team and they're obviously disappointed because they know they played well. They know they deserved a, a, um, a result today. Um, but a, after four days to have changed a lot of the tactics and to have played in, in all phases of the game with clarity, to, to be very stable in the back, to give not much away, um, to control the game for, for many uh, stretches, uh, specifically the beginning of the second half. Um, I'm really 
proud and pleased of our group, how far in, in four or five days we've come. So there's so many little things that I see in the match that's happening that, that you know, I know we need to clarify and continue to get better with, but, and we will. Um, it's, you know, I, I don't like normally to be screaming from the bench so much, but, you know, I was just trying to help the guys uh, continue to, to understand what we were trying to achieve tactically. And, and again, for me, good performances, clarity on the pitch, intelligence, and, 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 a, and a good match for us. Is that what you were saying to the players when you got them in that huddle on the yeah. pitch there? I said, you know, the, I understand that there's stress here because the points are so important right now. Um, but we have to stay clear. We have to stay clear to our process, and it has to be a condensed process, but we have to keep uh, understanding how we, how we want to play and, and maintain a clear, fresh mindset that helps us grow and get better every day. No doubt you had the edge in terms of chances. Yeah, I mean, I, I, saw, I, I saw the statistics at one point that we had a, a, the lion's share of chances and, and shots. Um, you know, with a little bit uh, more sharpness around the goal and a little bit more clarity as to what the next play could be, could be. I think we could find goals in there. Um, and we will. We will. We will continue to be aggressive and, and find, find our chances to score. I can see you relaying instructions to the players. That's going to go on for a little while, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big adjustment for them. You know, I, I, I'm try- I know how hard they work. I know what their performances are like and, and, and what they've put into every game. And I'm just trying to guide their energies to understand how to do that together and, and, and what the roles are at, at different moments. And we saw you actively punching the air at moments, chasing back, defending. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm trying to will them to yeah. keep going, you know. So um, they're, they're getting to know me. We're getting to know each other more and more. Um, but for me, what a what a in a in a tough moment. It, it's a shame, and our sports not always so fair. Um, but to play so well um, and to come to a tough place to play and perform like that, um, it doesn't feel right that we that we didn't get what we think we deserve. But that's sport, and that's that's what we that's what we have to deal with. And something to build on when you could return to Ellen. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Big first step for us. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you. just saw Chelsea four second half goals. Brentford snaps an eight-match winless run. Aston Villa back-to-back wins for the first time since November. Newcastle unbeaten in the last eight Premier League matches. It's now three consecutive losses for Wolves. And the first game this morning, Leicester hands Jesse Marsh his first loss at Leeds. So let's see how the bottom half of the table stands now after a busy couple hours for the relegation picture. Newcastle and Brentford wins create more separation between them and the bottom three. Leeds remain two points clear. Everton stay one point clear with a match at Tottenham coming up on Monday. Burnley, Watford, Norwich all have some work to do. Welcome back inside the studio. Paul Burmeister, Tim Howard, Robbie Musto. Guys, a lot of action we just saw, especially plenty of effects on the bottom half of the table and the relegation battle. Your top takeaway? Well, I think there's been some defining results from today. Mm. Dean Smith said it himself. They can't afford to lose today. Norwich against Brentford, they lost pretty badly. Mm. Not, Norwich not getting out of it. Mm. Newcastle United, Eddie Howe, what a great job he's done. Brought new players in. We knew that was going to happen in January. Got great results. They're not going down. So that's definitive for me. Brentford, Light the end of the tunnel is right there. 27 points. You know, they've, what, another three wins? So I think they are going to be okay. Now, for Leeds and for Everton and for Burnley, I think it's between those three Mm. for that one spot because I think Watford will struggle to get out of it as well. As promised, the uh, relegation battle looks different now than it did a couple hours ago. Mm -hmm. What stands out? Yeah, a couple hours ago, before the result, we were saying if Brentford are able to get a good result, it just creeps them out of there and puts some breathing, breathing space between them. Newcastle with another good performance. They are, they are playing well, even without some of their top performers. Eddie Howe, as you, as you mentioned, is just doing a fantastic job. He was able to go in there and get his point across. I do. I worry for Everton and Burnley because those are the two. Yes, Leeds is getting drawn into it, but on the balance of today, it looks like Jesse Marshall might just get him out. In the end, fellas, uh, action that affected the top four as well as the bottom three. Uh, next day... What's still top of mind for you here? Well, I think there's been big moves at the bottom. Um, And I want to give some love to Newcastle United because what a job Eddie Howe has done, Paul. I mean, the start of December, they're bottom of the league table. They're six points from safety. They've won five of the last six in the Premier League from a very low position, playing a style that the Newcastle United fans want to see. 
I remember saying back then, wow, if it's Eddie Howe, he's going to have to play his way out of trouble. That's exactly what they've done. Yes, they brought in players in January, but hardly stellar signings. Chris Wood, Matt Target, Kieran Trippier, that's done a pretty good job and is out injured right now. So to bring all that together, to play in the, in the style required, to get them out of a situation is pretty spectacular. Also, by the way, you know, some of their best players, Alan Sam Maximin and Callum Wilson, mm. have been out injured. You know, he's reinvented Joe, Joe Ellington in mid, as a midfield player. So much good work from a position that was so difficult to see, by the way, Tim, mm-hmm. back in December. Them getting out of it. I mean, they, they were relegation favourites for, for, for a period of time. So I think yesterday's win and the relief at St James's Park, for me, says they're staying up. And that's well done when there's like 12 games to mm-hmm. go. Yeah. Eight straight without a loss. Uh, amazing. Yes. Liverpool, mm. what would you think of their game? Uh, well, so I, I watching the game, they're starting, they keep a clean sheet, barely. They win 1-0. And I'm thinking, you know, Musty and I are having a conversation. And I'm a firm believer that sometimes you have to win ugly. You have to, you have to dig in. You have to roll your sleeves up. And, and, and you mentioned something, Musty. You, you thought it was more luck on the day. And then you listen, listen to Jurgen Klopp, and, and he, he, you know, thought very similarly to that. And when I look at the title race, Manchester City and Liverpool have to be perfect going into the stretch run. And my worry for Liverpool is I hope they have a look at that performance and say, okay, we can no longer be lucky. We can no longer keep this high line without the high pressure. That's, that's what they're brilliant at. They need to keep the high pressure to protect that back line. West Ham got in way too easily. One pass, head up, over the top. So from here on out, I think that's a warning sign to Liverpool. They can't be lucky. They have to be better than that. I mean, a certain amount of luck because the chances that were sure. missed. I mean, maybe if West Ham score, then Liverpool go on to win the game with the talent they've got. But I think the high line, and not just the high line, the fullbacks, they play so yeah. high that it's not just high, but there's a lot of space mm-hmm. for other teams to get in behind. So that was the issue. But they got the job done. Well yeah. done. Jürgen, what would you say about the way your team came through a difficult and dangerous game? Yeah, it was. But then I don't know when we will remember this game as uh, one of the most important ones because it's um, it's it's a really it was a tricky fixture in the first place. But I thought we did in the first half really well. Um, we we know about all the the different uh, things West Ham is really good at, and um, in the first half we denied them pretty much in all of these situations. Played good game, could have scored more, obviously didn't. Um, and then the game is open, and I think the second half starts pretty quick with a massive chance for Bowen. When um, was the first time that we didn't defend Antonio properly? Oh, they had a big chance the first half, by the way. Yeah, true. Um, and um, but that was then like the kicks out for them a little bit that they knew the way they played. They didn't have to defend differently. They just have to be pretty direct. Um, Antonio used his body pretty smart, and um, and then around the second balls we were not as good as in the first half. That's clear. That's why they had their moments. But that's what you have to bring over the line, and um, I'm really pleased with that. Did you like the large, the last ditch defending, or? Does that show something's gone wrong? They got too close almost. No, no, no. I told the boys in, um, in, in now after the game already, um, if you are not well organised, you have to defend with passion. And that's what we did. And um, the goalkeeper, um, with the first chance especially, I think Ali was incredibly calm and Trent could um, um, clear the situation then. But this situation is a good example. I think a lot of people said we, we, we defended with a high line and all this is risky and stuff like this. In this moment we did, didn't defend well because there was no pressure on the, ball, on, on the ball at all. We still had a high line and forgot completely um, I think it was for miles or whatever. Uh, whoever. And um, that's, uh, that's then obviously not how you can defend it like that. But the other situations were different. Um, we just lost the, the challenges, the heading challenges or whatever. And they were um, then really there and had their there are big chances, which we were lucky in these moments. But you cannot win the amount of games the boys won now in the last in the last weeks without um, stressing luck from time to time. And we didn't do it very often today. We did a little bit, and that's fine. You touched on it already. Is there something about a win like that? You sometimes use the phrase "a dirty three points." Oh, yeah. That feels better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm absolutely happy with the result. Um, and know that we can do much better. We did most of the time much better, but not today. And then, then you have to bring this one over the line. And we did that, and I'm, I'm, I'm really happy about that. Yes, it's a very special win. feels great. Um, it's a strong opponent, a really strong opponent. It's not a coincidence that they are high up in the table and they are around Champions League spots and, and, and European League spots. And that they are in the European League still, there's no, it's not coincidence. And um, the way they played today, they didn't need Rice. 
to, I know it's a big miss for them, but for that, for that, what they did today is, is they didn't need him really, because um, yeah, they just chipped the balls in the last line, and, and we had to defend there better. But today, um, Antonio was obviously in a lot of moments um, um, in a better position like, like this, and that's why they had their moments. But it's all fine. We came over the line. That's good. And in terms of your grittiness, pleased with the way you defended their set pieces, a lot of corners in on top of Allison. Yeah, I think the set pieces, I can't remember a proper dangerous situation from them. But um, again, it's, um, how is that? You have to defend always with passion. But when the organization um, doesn't work in that moment, then how Barobo was there twice, how Trent um, kicked grabs got the ball off the line, all this kind of thing. That's obviously as important as any other things on a pitch. It's like scoring a goal. And um, that's how I celebrated uh, them as well. So it's all good. Um, now, Inter Milan. What do you make of the way Sadio Mane is adjusting to this role through the middle, scored obviously again today? Oh, he obviously enjoys it. He played a super game. I see, that's, a, that's, a, that's the strange part. I saw a lot of top individual performances today, and Sadio was one of them. Um, played a really good game, scored a goal, and was really difficult to, to, to defend. Um, but in the end, we didn't make enough of the situations we had. We got a bit... Um, we got a bit in a rush and, and didn't finish the season, didn't pass the last ball and all these kind of things. That all can happen. And it's good. And if it happens in a game that you win, then you can talk about it, work on it, and you still got the three points. And do you have any interest in what happens in Manchester tomorrow? Or is that a sort of noise that you need to shut out? No, no of course we are interested in it. But we have, it's, it's, we have no influence. And, and that's, the, that's the thing. We have to win our own games. If we don't play, then we look, watch them. We play both teams still. So, of course, we have to watch the game. And, um, but it's not about that we are not interested in what they do. We, just have, uh, we have absolutely no hand in what they do. And that's why we don't think about it. That's why we don't talk about it. And that's why we just try to win our games and how we saw today that's another job thank you well done thank you cheers it's always a special occasion when these two clubs meet so we thought it'd be a good idea to bring in someone else like tim who knows a thing or two about the rivalry in fact he played in 21 manchester derbies in his career former city defender pablo zabaleta he spent nine years at city making over 300 appearances for the club he won five major trophies including two premier league titles and scored the opener of city's famous 3-2 win against qpr on the final day of 2012 to help clinch the club's first ever premier league title we've not only moved spots here in the studio we've classed this place up we have the premier league trophy we have pablo right next to me uh, thanks for for making the effort to be here what brings you to town Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me today on the show. Uh, well, I'm just with Man City uh, doing some uh, appearances. It's been a long time that we've not been with the club here in America uh, because of the pandemic and all that. So it's always good to to come and represent the club I've been playing for so many years and meet the fans, um, especially for the, for the game today, one of the greatest games, you know. I was watching on the clips and I really miss those games. You know, there is Manchester is just always, you know, special. So, uh, yeah, it's a club ambassador, really, and uh, it's always a pleasure. It's funny, Pablo, because a uh, big game today, of course, and the red and the blue part of Manchester. Now, you were there right at the start of the evolution of this football club with Shape Manchester taking over the club. What was it like to be part of that change where really, you know, you've gone to City now that are dominating in the Premier League over Manchester United. But what was it like at the start of it? And when did you realise something special was happening? Yeah, well, that's true. I, I came to the club in 2008, just um, a week before they took over. And um, yeah, one of the sort of divers with uh, Vincent Company, Joe Harlett, yeah. <laughs> say probably that we've been from the beginning. <clears throat> Uh, but obviously, when, when they bought the club and, and Rovinho was the first sign-in, they, they paid like 40 million at that time. Mm-hmm. It was crazy money coming from Real Madrid. And we thought, wow, that's, you know, that's huge. Uh, but also, I think um, at the same time, for all the players that we were there, it was a good opportunity to, you know, to prove ourselves that we wanted to be part of uh, the, the club. You know? yeah. And uh, obviously, the money was there and they needed to bring uh, good players, good name. But it, it was not that easy. You also need to create a... Uh, winning mentality to you know to fight with the best teams in in England Arsenal Liverpool Man United uh, you know they, they they were really strong teams at that time so it took like three four years to win the first FA Cup then the first Premier League but you know I have to say something I'm very proud of because I have seen the whole transformation of the club. Mm. Pablo you, you you talked about the derby being special mm. 
What was your Derby experiences like? Because as you're, t- as you're mentioning, prior, prior to your arrival, the expectation was that you were going to lose the game, that, yeah. that it, was, it was easy for Manchester yeah. United. That changed when you, when you and your, your teammates got to the club. What was, what was that shift in mentality when it came to the Derby? Well, uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, the first two seasons have always been very difficult to, you know, to win derbies. So they were a you know, mile ahead of mm-hmm. us and... It was um, it was difficult, but then at some point, uh, you know, our team was strong enough to to fight, you know, uh, against Manchester United and and to believe in ourselves that we 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 needed to to start winning, you know, derbies and the six one at uh, Old Trafford was uh, one of those games. Then um, I remember also when we won uh, an FA, semi-final FA Cup at Wembley. Mm-hmm. That was probably the turning point where you know we. Ferguson used to call us um, noisy neighbors, you know, <laughs> yeah. at that time because uh, obviously our team was strong enough to uh, to play against that without fear, and um, that was probably the moment where everything was more equal between both clubs. You know, you saw Pep Guardiola come into the football club, and arguably they've got the team has got stronger under Pep. Now you work with him for a season there. Tell us what makes him different and what makes him special as a coach. Well, he's uh, he's really good. Uh, I mean, as you say, I spent only uh, one season uh, with Pep. I wish he should come to the club when I was probably 27, 28. When I was at Matt Prime, I probably would have enjoyed mm. a lot more. Uh, but as a manager, he's really good. I mean, uh, on the field, tactically, he's a genius. You know, he always wants the team to attack. Uh, he always set up the team in in that way, you know. Uh, he, he likes to play with a lot of number tens and then and to no keep the ball. Nines. No number, <laughs> no, no. Even you know, sometimes you need like a referee in the box or something like that. But he likes to play. You know, he never gives you, um, you know, uh, time just to keep the ball to move around and then and it's it's just simply you know amazing as a player when you when you play in that way and you dominate the game it's like wow that's that's what you expect as a is player it difficult? You know? is it difficult to play it, the, it took the like a year yeah at the beginning it was tough because obviously playing out from the back you know we made a few mistakes and it mm. cost you know goals sometimes mm. when you make a wrong pass inside of uh, your own box and all that but he always been very clear to saying like Sean Stone to some of the young players that I say Listen, don't change the way we play, you know, just believe in, in what we're doing. And you will see how in, after a year or something like that, everything will come out easily and you will feel like, uh, you know, that, that that's the right way mm-hmm. to play. You know, it, it's how he can convince the player to, yeah. to do that, you know, because sometimes as a defender, when you feel that you are under pressure, <laughs> the best thing is just go long, <laughs> go direct, and then we yeah. push forward and that's it. But... Under Pepe was, uh, I don't want you to play long. Always a pass, you know, okay. play short from the back because I want you guys to bring the ball into the attacking midfielders in, in, you know, in a better situation, you know, to Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, Gundogan, those guys to, um, you know, to find them in those pockets and then, you know, give, uh, you know, freedom to the players up top to, uh, because at the end of the day or in, in the final third, you need players who can actually uh, create that moment of magic and then score goals, you know, and <laughs> with Kun Aguero, with Mares, uh, Bernardo Silva, all those guys, it just yeah. looks uh, really simple. But that that's, and off the field, I have to say as well, he's, uh, he, how he inspired the players as well. So mm. he's, a, he's a genius. You are, of course, welcome to stay and watch the match. But where do you plan to watch the derby later today? Well, we're going to So Five in uh, New Jersey. Um, this is the place that we're going to watch the game with some of the fans as well. So uh, we've got a little tournament as well, so it's going to be some fun. I know you used to be a noisy neighbor. I think we'll just <laughs> call you an, an esteemed guest, Pablo Zanoletta. We appreciate you, you making time to be with us today. Okay, thank you, guys. Thanks, nice Pablo. to see you. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Uh, Robbie, to you, the way you saw it, the biggest reason Man City turned that 1-1 <laughs> match into a 4-1 win. 
Oh, the biggest reason is they're just much better than Manchester mm. United. That went very quickly from interesting to embarrassing. Yeah. And the second half, kind of meek display from Manchester United. The ease at which Man City could pass, keep the ball, create, score at will. If that game goes on another hour, it's, more, it's just regularly going to be more goals. The blue moon there, the power shift from red to blue in this, this city is, is so highlighted with that performance. We saw it in the previous game regarding these two. And it just shows you how far Manchester United are behind mm. Man City in everything. In the football club, the structure, the organisation, the coaching, the management situation where it's still in, in flux. It's like interim Ralph Ragnick's not going to be there. They're talking about a new manager. So much difference in the second half there. And City like that look, look superb. It all became a lot more apparent as the game got longer. Yeah, and, and for a lot of those reasons you highlighted, if you're, a Man- if you're a Manchester United fan, you're so incredibly frustrated and deflated. I mean, it was, it was not a good performance. You're hoping, we were hoping, you know, that, that Ragnick had something up his sleeve, a, a little tactical switch that could stifle Manchester City. Manchester City wasn't bothered. And, and let's credit Ragnick at halftime. He made, he, he made a little bit of a tweak where he had one of his center backs with Lindelof from McGuire go, go in all the way with Foden, but it didn't matter. All it did was open up space. The two center backs from Manchester United just weren't, weren't good enough on the day. I don't think they're good enough in, in terms of where this club is. And yeah, it's a little bit messy, and this, this just highlights it um, for me with Manchester United. A city clearly better than United, but I can't help but watch and think about, okay, Liverpool played yesterday. They cut the deficit at the top mm. to three. When you move beyond what you saw today and compare City to Liverpool, mm. who's in second now, six points back, mm. what do you see? Uh, I see Manchester City as being favourites. They had two difficult matches Today was one of those difficult matches, a Manchester derby, you'd expect. And, of course, they have to play Liverpool at home Mm -hmm. in April, Mm -hmm. early April. So, other than that, they're all very winnable. And if City are good at at something, they're so good at finding ways past teams that kind of sit back deep. So, they're capable, of course, like any side of having an off day and losing to Palace or, you know, some surprise defeats. You know, Liverpool have got it all to do. They're still behind. They've still got to... Like, make no mistakes. I think it was 18, 19. Uh, we had this amazing race between the two where they're mm-hmm. winning and winning and winning, and there was 98 points versus 97 points. We might get something close to that, but you still yeah. got to think that City are the favourites to win it. Yeah, I mean, it was a huge response from Manchester City. Liverpool have been going really well. And when you, when you look at that, you think yesterday, Liverpool were a little bit lucky, as we spoke about before. This was a dominant performance. And Jurgen Klopp said after the game, he was asked the question, will they be watching with, with eager eyes? And, and he said, no, we're not, you know, not going to really watch because we have to concentrate on, on ourselves. And hopefully they didn't watch that game because Manchester City were brilliant. City had two goal scorers today, Riyad Mahrez and also Kevin De Bruyne. Let's take a listen to their post-match thoughts. Riyad, Kevin, was that a case of really turning on the afterburners in the second half? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think United played very differently than other occasions. I, I think they tried to press us and I think they, they, they did pretty well in the first half. So we had a little bit more difficulties, I think, to to get the ball around. But I think in the second half, we found more opportunities to create chances, to have more spaces. And I think, uh, yeah, second half, we did really well. Yeah, what was that first half like for you? Because Manchester City had an overload on the left-hand side. No, to be fair, I, I think I've, t- I've touched like four balls in half an hour. The first touch a minute was was on the left. But in my head, I was like, I had to stay focused. At one point, the ball will come and we have to make the difference. But I, I, I think the first half was pretty good. They took us on the on the counter. And second half, we were, we were more with the ball, more patient, more control. And we made the difference, yeah. How much did it help you, Kevin, finding the space with that overload you had in the first half with Grealish and Foden over on the far side? Well, I think, you know, obviously the, the, the chances came from that side and, uh, you know, when, when they arrive at the byline, I have to, to be in the box when Phil is a little bit more. And obviously the first, half, uh, the first chance is, is an easy one, but the, I think the second chance I'm in the right position and, you know, it's... it's um, it's not the most difficult goal, but it's, it's just being in the right place, uh, so that, that helped. As well as the three points, how pleased are you at long last to be on the winning side of a Manchester derby at home? Sixth time of asking. 
Yeah, you know, it, uh, I don't, I can't explain how how it happened. Why we always went over there, but at home we have more difficulties. But I think, uh, yeah, today we proved that we were a good team and we we played really well. So uh, we fully deserve the three points today. Two very different goals. Which do you prefer? <laughs> to be fair, the, f- the first one was um, the player touched it, but you know sometimes you have to hit the target like like our physio say all the time Riyad hit the target and he touched it he's in and the second one I just try to hit it high because I know he's very good on the on the floor derrière so I try to put it high for him and he hit his face and he went in so I, I take them both lastly how important was this after Liverpool winning yesterday well, I think uh, it, it's winning game by game. Obviously, you know, they put the pressure on us yesterday by winning their game. But I think um, we responded today in the, in, the, in the good way. And, you know, we always play the game that we need to play. Obviously, sometimes we don't get uh, the result and that happens. But we always uh, play our football and we fight for it. And that's what we're going to do until the end of the season. Thank you, guys. Well done today. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Arlo Lee and Graham were in the booth as City pulled away from United there in that second half. Arlo, what are you taking away from this match? Well, I just wonder from the guys here, Paul, how close to perfection was that second <laughs> half by Manchester City? Oh, it was a phenomenal performance. And, and look, we're, we're here seeing the whole pitch. So you can see how stretched the team is the, as United were. You know, they were stretched the length of the pitch. They were stretched the width of the pitch. And, and as, as you get worn down, the frustration of chasing shadows all the time and the intensity of City in possession Mm -hmm. and then when they lost it the speed at which they wanted to recover it just overwhelmed Manchester United I think what's proved to me today is that City are not just a brilliant team with the ball they're also problem solvers because United caused them a few problems Mm. in that first half with this system with the formation with the false nine with the Pogba position and I think they, they worked it out they, they had a few chances against them and, and United looked dangerous on the break but they worked it out and they ground out a position for themselves that they could then go and springboard into their brilliance which we know they can so there's, there's two sides to them today mm. which I thought it would be really pleasing for the manager In terms of the title race we were at Anfield yesterday and Liverpool rode their luck a little bit against mm-hmm. West Ham by contrast City have been absolutely superb today where, where do you stand now Graham with I the title race? I see City as favourites um, because of the way because they can get to that level in a, in a very short period of time they haven't played well the last few games City relative you know you, you think last week against Everton the, the, they should have had a penalty uh, and, and obviously Tottenham beating, beating them Southampton drawing them but the way they just connect all those parts of the game that we've spoken about and, and when they're at that level I mean it, it is I feel it's unstoppable mm. big thing to say but that's how I feel about well, them they are favourites because they've got the points they've got you know, you'd rather be at the points than being chased down. And they're also, uh, you know, they don't need to beat Liverpool. Liverpool need to beat the ga- you know, win the game when mm. they do play them. So they can be in a position where a draw is fine for them. But this team, is, they're just hungry and they mm. just, the draw doesn't even interest them. And I'm sure that going forward, they just look at every single game and will just knock you down. And, but there will be a few slips before the end of the season. There's Definitely. no doubt there'll be twists mm. and turns. And possibly Arsenal, favourites now for top four ahead of Manchester United. You said that, not me. <laughs> One point clear of fifth place, Paul. Three games in hand. That's a great situation yeah. for the Gunners. Pep, in the end, it was a comprehensive victory. What did you make of it? Um, real one, a uh, good one. So we did a good, a good game. The first half, especially the second one. So, yeah, good game. How different for you were the two halves? Well, the first half they, they had more energy than the second half. The second half, when when they are struggled to to press, is because consequences of the first. We played really well in the two rhythms, so the first part of the build up was in one rhythm that we needed to do, read exactly whereas the space in the first half we struggled a little bit to to build up, especially in the left side more more often. But uh, in the second half we really better, and the result. Ahead of us, we were comfortable. We conceded few. We cannot forget uh, United eight times the last eight games without defeat, and um, and especially second half was one of the highest levels we have played in these years. What was the plan with that left flank in the first half from you? No, we didn't know how we were going to defend. They make a four-two-four, so aggressive uh, for the mentality for Ralph. 
and without Cristiano they can they can do it and they were incredible aggressive and and we struggled to make a build up and I would say the first half we had the chances more in the contrast like than in the possession when we were when we were in the third half you know we played really good in the first half the problem we struggled to arrive there to get there to drop the opponent in in uh, in, in his um, half um, but in the second uh, Bernardo was involved and Rodri was more involved I may take the personality to play more between the lines and the movement from Jack, Phil, Kevin, everyone was excellent. Are those the reasons why you're giving it such high praise, as you say, one of the best performances from you since you've been here? No, absolutely, absolutely. We play really good. So, and the People can say everything. I know the respect I have for United, the quality that they have, the physicality and, and the personality in most of the cases. But uh, when... When Kyle was excellent today, since a long time, I could not see this level. So unfortunately, Kyle was out many, many games. But um, when, when, when Rodri, especially Bernardo, Kevin, uh, uh, Jack and Rodri was involved in our process and they touched the ball and we can rest with the ball in the wingers with Riyadh and Jack, they have the ability to attract the opponents. So after that, make spaces for the other ones. We read really well of this kind of process and that's why uh, every decision making during the game was good, was good, and and that's why we we won the game. Is Kevin De Bruyne okay? Did he have a calf problem? Yeah, it was yeah a little bit there, but I think it's it's not a problem. He make an incredible effort. He's playing all minutes, but uh, well in a, in a, in a Peterborough didn't play, but uh, uh, he's he's back in his best. So uh, he struggled for the pain, playing play with the pain in the beginning of the season, but Kevin is back and absolutely in his best, he's strong and. Uh, and I'm so delighted this season with his scoring goals. Always, I spoke with him. Oh, yeah, you are for just focusing the assists, in the assists. It's okay, but you have to score goals. You have to win games. And this season is is doing a lot of goals, and hopefully can continue being fit, you know, and scoring these goals. Tell us about your celebration. Who were you pointing to when Riyad Mahrez scored? What What was it about? My son is there. All the games. So it's especially for him. Yeah, for all family, of course. <laughs> for all. But today was nice, so I said to the players, today, if you give them a little bit, the guys, the, the fans are going to give all, everything. And we felt it. And, you know, how nice it is, you know, to, to, to win, and especially against United, of course, and, and for our people. So thank you so much for coming, and, and yeah, we will do it next uh, soon. It's such a fantastic competition that we're seeing between yourselves and Liverpool. And you said the other day, with a big smile on your face, they are a pain in the butt, shall we say. Well, hopefully we can say a pain of us to them too. So in the last years, not just, not just to us. So, I said many times. So the biggest, for me, success as a manager is the fact that after winning um, three Premier Leagues in the last four years, I still run like we run and I still we are there to try to win again. This is the biggest compliments. Normally a success became bad thoughts and you are confused, thinking like, uh, like maybe you are like you are not. And still we are humble enough to every single training, every single game, do it and do it and do it again and be in there, up there. After you can win or you can lose. But after these guys have done many, many, many years still being there, if at the end we are not able to do it, just because we have an opening that's the toughest opening I've ever faced in my 12, 13 career as a manager. So Liverpool the last years is outstanding. So and fight with them and being with them means that after big success in in in, in domestic uh, trophies and titles is because this is a, the biggest achievement as a manager I've done in my career. Thank you so much, Pat. You're very welcome. After the worst loss of the season, guys, for Everton, I think uh, task number one for us is finding a way to describe the state of Everton football right now. Tim, I will, I will give you the first crack at this challenge. Well, under Frank Lampard, it's a fourth defeat in five. You know, you're expecting that new manager bounce. Mm-hmm. They don't get it. I talked at halftime that they are in the thick of a relegation battle. And it's you just see the nerves of the team. You see, you see the lack of confidence, which is what we know what happens when teams are down near the bottom. You know, Frank Lampard tries to make a tactical change when it's almost too late. You know, we're expecting that maybe at halftime. 
for, for my liking, if I'm being brutally honest, I, at 3-0 at halftime, you're not really ever going to get back in this mm-hmm. game. Maybe make a little bit of a tweak, but just try and, try and make it damage limitation. Because on the balance of that 90 minutes, they flip-flopped their goal difference with Newcastle, Brentford, Burnley. Those are all the teams that they're, mm-hmm. that they're, that they're fighting relegation against. And so it's going to matter. As they get down the, the, the stretch run of the, of the season, it's going to matter goal difference. And so I know that sounds a bit passive and pedestrian to say shut up shop at 3-0 but they've made they've made it worse by trying to get back in the game how do you sum up what you're seeing on that side if you if you didn't know better obviously you see the result and and it was really poor from from Everton but you see the way they set up you would think that they were a team that weren't in threat of relegation Mm -hmm. just a mid-table team that were just seeing out the rest of the season it was far too easy for Spurs everybody knows you play Spurs you have to frustrate them Spurs got in behind Everton's back four time and time again. They're playing a 4-3-3. We know that Frank Lampard did that at Chelsea. We know that he did that at Derby, but he was managing teams then at the top end of the table. And they were just wide open. My, my biggest fear for Everton is when you look at the fixtures that they have coming up, I think it, it, it becomes a real issue for them. And it's something that, that I wanted to ask Tim, because I've been in relegation fights before, and you always look at it and you say, home form, that's going to be key. Tim, how difficult is it to play for Everton at home when you're going through a difficult mm. period? Very, and, and, and I experienced it. I spent, I spent 10 good, 10 brilliant seasons at Everton Football Club. And you look at, you, you look at these fixtures, I mean, they, they're going to need to get something at Arsenal at the last, at the last of the season. You look at that run right in the middle, West Ham United, Manchester United, Liverpool, Chelsea. I, I, don't, know, I don't think they get any points from that. You know? And then you look at Wolves and Newcastle at home off the back of, of these, this current performance. The fans are brilliant at Everton Football Club, but I tell you what, they, wouldn't t- they won't take this sitting down. They'll be upset. They'll be right out for it. Their expectation when they play Wolves, when the whistle blows, is that right from the jump, immediately, that those sleeves are rolled up and that they're, they're actually caring and fighting mm. and wanting. Yes, the result matters. The result matters, absolutely. But to those fans, that first 15 minutes of that Wolves game are going to matter immensely in terms of the attitude that the players are bringing. Danny, I'm sorry, but you you mentioned you've been in a relegation Mm. scrap before. I'm wondering what you can recall from that and if there are players on the Everton side that you think are are built for what's coming. The the big thing that you have, I I got relegated twice and other times we stayed up and, and we were successful. One of the things you do as an individual, when you're in that dressing room, and I've done it time and time again, you look around at your teammates and you know whether they're up for this battle. You know whether they're up for a battle at the bottom. It's not all about ability. Mm. It's about desire. It's about commitment. To be honest with you, probably everything that Everton stands for. Sure. That's what those fans need to see now. And it's not about who can get the ball and take three or four players on. Um, it, it, it's about challenges. It's about going into 50-50 challenges. It's about standing up to be counted. Because I've had scenarios at certain clubs where we've been in a relegation fight, all of a sudden, players get injured. Mm. Then we get a little bit of a run, then all of a sudden they're back fit. So now is the one you have to rely and you have to count on characters. My one concern about Everton, very, very little relegation experience or relegation battle experience. I look at Burnley, full of it. I look at Brentford, expected to be there or thereabouts. I look at Leeds getting a bounce from a new manager, which which I think they will do. They're my concerns for Everton. Teams are catching them and Everton are falling. Danny, the the, the worry is, I mean... uh, look at today as an example. A leader, proper, the, the, the leader, Michael Keane. Mm. Mistake last week, mistake this week. He gets hauled off at halftime. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's a guy who you're expecting when you're in a relegation battle, he's going to be the one, you know, to, to lead the challenge. And he's now on the bench, and I wouldn't even expect him to start next game based on performances. So it's going to be a struggle. And, and the big thing is, when you look at this Everton squad, if, I, if I'm looking at the Everton squad at the moment... Obviously, Coleman, mm-hmm. experienced player, mm-hmm. you're going to have him right behind you. The next one on the list for me is probably Gordon, yeah. a player that's come through the academy and has played so few games. They're not the type of players that you should be relying on. It needs to be your experienced professionals, your senior professionals. I look at Van der Beek coming to the club. I look at Dele Alli coming to the club. Not question their ability, but you question the ability to to be involved in a relegation fight. It takes two types of players. Because believe me, it's unbelievable at the top. You know, you're winning week after week, but I have vast experience of being down at the bottom. And it's a lot harder because you are losing more than you're winning and you just have to keep your confidence high if you can, and it's really tough. 
Well, on this afternoon, uh, Tottenham were on the right side of this 5-0 blowout. Here's Matt Doherty. Matt, congratulations. Just how much did you need a night like this in front of your own supporters? Yeah, I think I said before the game that that's the kind of thing we needed. We needed to start fast, and that's exactly what we did. Um, just clinical again in front of goal like we were against Leeds, just finishing off the chances that we had. And we pretty much killed the game in the first half. What do you think was the key tonight? Because Everton came out and started well. They looked bright in the first ten minutes. Yeah, I think they, they had a bit of possession to start, but I think we were just clinical, you know. We just had the... When we had the opportunity to slide somebody in or make a great chance, I think we pretty much took it. So, um, look, I don't think they created, created too much. I think on both ends of the pitch, we were pretty solid. How much did you enjoy your own contribution tonight and your contribution since you've got back into the team? Yeah, look, I, obviously that position I love. I think, that's the, like I said before, that's the reason why, why I'm at Tottenham. I was, I was playing that position at Wolves and... Um, it was managing to get in at the back stick and, and create, create chances and score goals, so um, hopefully, hopefully I can keep it up. Another special night for Harry Kane. He's had a few, hasn't he? He's just passed Thierry Henry's Premier League goal-scoring mark, with, with the help of your assist, of course. Knowing him as you do, how pleased will he be? Yeah, he'll be pleased, but I think uh, I mean, he's, he's gone for all types of records, isn't he? So I think that'll just be kind of a couple of goals off, off the notch for him, and he'll... Um, Look, he'll be looking at other records he'll be going for, for sure and stuff like that. So, um, look, he'll be pretty pleased, but he'll be thinking about where he can get his next goals from. Just finally, after that FA Cup defeat last week, how important was this result just to give your whole season some fresh impetus? Yeah, exactly like you just said, fresh impetus. We needed to kind of have a reaction. Um, we said the same thing after the Burnley game. We had the reaction at, at Leeds. And um, after Middlesbrough, it's pretty much the same con- conversation. We need to show some character, personality. Um, and look, we don't want to be an con- inconsistent team where we're kind of having to have the same conversation after every two games so um, hopefully this is the start of an unbeaten run see how far we can go until the rest of the season Matt, well done tonight Thank you very much Near the bottom of the table the situation just keeps getting worse for Coleman and Everton who remain just one point above the relegation zone no new manager bump at all for them at least so far they've now lost four of their five Premier League matches under Frank Lampard who finds himself in a real relegation scrap Frank, a really difficult night. What are your thoughts? Well, well beaten, obviously. Started all right for 15 minutes or so of the game. Um, controlled a bit of possession, as you can here. Um, we had spoken about the, the counter-attack, which is obviously a big strength for Tottenham. They play very compact. The counter-attack at speed with top-quality players. We didn't deal with it well enough. Simple as that. And then at the 2 or 3 0, it's horrible for any team to try and get back into a game because the momentum's completely gone. Individual moments of, of bad mistakes, bad defending, and clear on that point. They were two very preventable goals, those first two, weren't they, really? Yeah. I've got, I've got no more to say than that. You know, I know it's my job to review them and go back, but sometimes you, you review and you go, well, you, know, you don't tell people to, to, to leave their area and go bang into midfield and leave spaces to run into. You don't. So some of those are just mistakes. Um, we have to think in the bigger picture and go that there's a, there are 13 games to go for us, eight of those at home, and teams around us are having difficulties, and that's where we're at. And we have to understand that before I came in, there were issues which are becoming more clear to me every day. But the important thing as I lead it is that the positivity stays. Not stupid positivity. There's nothing positive about tonight, really, other than probably Anthony Gordon and a couple of performances of, of credit in terms of people that didn't give up. Um, and that should be the bare minimum. And I'll demand that, and it gives me a lot of food for thought going forward. This issue of the away form, I know it's something that you've inherited. Do you get a sense that there is something that uh, has a mental side to it by now? Yeah, it has to, and, but there maybe is. Yeah, there is, but there's a football side to it. And if you give away goals um, and put yourself 2-0 down in the first 25 minutes or 30 minutes against Tottenham, then, yeah, that mental side will come in very quickly. So football always starts it. And if we're not good enough to deal with situations, then, then that can happen. No matter, no matter how you set up, we can set up to you know, play a strong back four. I haven't got enough centre-backs to play really a back three at the minute. I know we went to that later in the game, but it was makeshift because we had to try and shore up something. I haven't got them. Two of my centre-halves got injured in my first two games so we haven't got that so we have to play it back four we want to try and stay compact in midfield all the, all the messaging is clear but then when you make errors and leave areas they're going to score goals that level of player you knew exactly what you were getting into what you were taking on when you came to Everton but just how 
big a challenge does this feel right now? I've got no problem with the challenge because I did know exactly what it was. And when you come in, it becomes very clear. We've had some really good performances. The, the, the general feeling around the club has been very good. And, and we, we can't lose that now. It'd be hard because people will throw some stuff at us for a one-off game. But in, in what we're doing at Goodison and the feeling of the fans there has been a big deal. So and we'll, we'll need that going forward. But I've been in. I've just been in there with the players, and I've had I had 20 years as a player, and some some successful ones or not so. I had I had a 50 or 100 periods like this for whatever level it is. Everything's relative. Of oh, we're not doing as well as we can. What's the reason? Why is it? And it's only important then that you stick together. You work hard, you deal with the things that are not quite right. You look at us and say, we played against the best team in the country, which everyone saw yesterday against Man United last week, and, and made it really difficult for them, created things, should have got a result out of the game, um, and then we come here and do that. But that's the bit I don't like, the up and down nature of that. That's what that, that we need to put right. And throughout your career in football, you've always had belief in your ability. Therefore, how confident are you here and now that you will get this team over the line this season? Yeah, I'm confident, but that doesn't mean anything to say that now. I'm confident. I know that there's a lot in this team. I know we haven't been here long and the things I didn't walk into the, the building with a magic wand and say, I'm going to actually make this team that's won one in full team, go on an unbeaten run and we'll be mid-table. It's not possible. And you've seen that with managers that change through the Premier League this year. It takes sometimes a bit of time to get the work together. We've seen it certainly at Goodison. We haven't seen it at away from home that's something we have to tackle um, but I'm absolutely confident that, that's why I'm here I wouldn't I wouldn't take on the job because at the time when coming in it's very clear when I got here that people the feeling was we could be going down here it was very clear in the city and the club uh, and it was up to me to change that and I felt we've changed that tonight is a test of that because of the nature of the result but it doesn't it doesn't give me any fear about what's coming ahead I'm, I'm I actually can't wait for the two games we've got coming up at Goodison and we can't just think because we're at Goodison it'll be fine because we've got two really tough matches on, on paper as the Premier League will show but I'll be ready for them and, and the players will have to be ready for them and, and this whole talk about mentality and confidence it's football train hard prepare for the game go out and show absolute application stick your foot in when you need to work hard get the basics right um, and we'll be alright we'll be alright then Frank appreciate your time thank, thank you. you cheers cheers when this match went to 3-0, to 4-0, mm -hmm. to 5-0, really the top attraction was sticking around to hearing what Frank Lampard was going to have to say afterward. Now that we've heard him, what's your takeaway? You learn a lot more in defeat than you do in victory. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the key takeaways for Frank Lampard today. You know, obviously he was asked the question about his players. First player he mentioned, we've spoken about him, Anthony Gordon, one of the youngest players in the team. He speaks about work rate, desire. That's what Frank Lampard will be looking at. There will be players in that team that started the game this evening mm -hmm. that probably won't start another game this season. And that's what he'll be looking at. It's not about who can take on the most players, about who's the most subtle on the ball. It's about players that are prepared to be brave. Brave isn't just getting on the ball. Brave is standing up and being kind. When you're 2 or 3 nil down, can you still go and make that? Can you still go and make that sprint? Can you still go and make that tackle, even though you're going to lose the game? Mm -hmm. So I think it's a bad night for Everton. It's a bad night for Frank Lampard. In the bigger scheme of things, if Everton do stay up, this could be a night where Frank Lampard learns so much about his players. Yeah, I mean, either way, this is a turning point, right? Yeah. If it good, good or bad. And I think that Frank Lampard knew what he was inheriting when he, when he took the job. I think the cracks are becoming very, very clear to him. And I think certainly tonight, when he talks about Anthony Gordon and, mm -hmm. what it, and that's the measure that he wants all of his players and the standard he wants all of his players to set. I believe you're right. There's some players out there tonight. Frank Lampard saw it, and they won't be playing much for Everton Football Club. He'll make some changes. That does it for this edition of the Premier League on NBC Podcast. Be sure to check out other episodes where you'll get a collection of our most spirited in-studio debates, as well as exclusive on-site access. Plus, don't miss out on Premier League mornings, weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN and Peacock Premium. Bye for now. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.